Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 337, and I had a conversation with one-of-a-kind superstar fashion couture designer, Manuel Cuevas. This is a special episode in that I recorded this interview with Manuel at his shop in Nashville over a decade ago. He's a beloved figure in Nashville, and I'd been invited to one of his famous birthday parties. He and I share a birthday on April 23rd. And we chatted at the party, and I asked him if I could interview him about creativity and what he did and does. And so he said yes and invited me to come to his shop, where I (laughs) went and sat in a bustling room with people, clients coming in and fittings happening, and I took out my iPhone. This was, Hey Human was still many, many years from creation, so this was just me with my iPhone wanting to capture this man who had created such a huge body of work, legendary body of work, and to talk to him and and just hear, hear his story. I tried to make this recording as clean as possible when I put it onto my little doohickeys here to to put it out. Uh, It's not easy to hear and understand in a couple places. I did the best I could. Regardless, I recommend looking up his work online and seeing his nearly 80-year-long span of work. It will come to life on the page. And if you can, go see it in person. If you watch any award show, you'll see a number of artists wearing his work. He's just incredible. Manuel was raised in Mexico and began sewing at the behest of his older brother. A series of really fortunate events followed as Manuel's clear talent was recognized. Soon he would be working as a tailor for Nudie of the famous Nudie Suits, which led Manuel to become his own one-name phenom of dazzling couture. The award-winning designer was responsible for making Johnny Cash the Man in Black, he crafted Elvis's gold lame suit. He fashioned the garments that Dylan wore when he performed for the Pope. He dressed all three Hank Williams, and he designed both the Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead's insignias. I mean, holy cow, right? Presidents, athletes, artists, dancers, movie stars, they've all worn his creations, and he has costumed nearly 100 movies and TV shows. He confided in me that tequila was a curative elixir, so he's a man after my own heart. Uh, And again, I encourage you, you can see his work in museums and on pop rock and country stars of today. Check out his work at his boutique in Nashville. Just go online and look up Manuel, and you will be dazzled by his bedazzling. Really a phenomenal man and artist. Okay, in other news, check out heyhumanpodcast.com for links and to learn more about my guests and the show. Check out susanruth.com to learn about me and my other artistic endeavors. And please follow Susan Ruthism and Hey Human Podcast on social media. Find my albums on Apple Music or wherever you get music. My most recent record is called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. Also, please check out my relationships and sex show. It's called Are We There Yet? with sexologist and healthcare practitioner Mara Edelman. It's on YouTube under youtube.com slash show. And to support the show, please rate and review and subscribe to Hey Human. Get the word out. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, you're listening now. So wherever you're listening, rate and review from there. Thank you for listening. Be well. 
be kind, take care of each other, and let's get into this. I'm really excited for you to hear it. Here we go. My name is Manuel Cuevas. I am supposed to be a great designer, you know, in, in the Western world, more than your Euro, European and Western mix. I'm more like into the Western and Indian heritage. That's where all my ideas come from. Although I have traveled all over the world three times, I'm still in love with the American heritage. And how has it evolved from, you know, since 1492 to date? So I kind of uh, prefer it that way. I, I have no other influence, although I know of styles and fashions mm -hmm. all over. As far as I, as I know, I go from, from cowboy to gaucho to mariachi. And then somehow I got into the habit of embellishing everything. And that's the kick of my life. I don't really care whether people buy them or not. They're all my babies. It's only one of a kind. Yeah. Uh, one of a kind is my thing forever. I never want to do two things alike. I mean, I know how impossible it is to make two pillows for a couch alike. But since I make it by hand and I draw by hand, I know they are not alike. What was the defining moment for you when you realized that this was your calling, that this was your creative? Well, it was definitely my calling because, uh, you know, as a young kid, uh, uh, let me start by telling you that I was a total nerd. <laughs> Yay! Oh, you know, I was the book bug. But I got to the point many times in my life where I thought the whole world was kind of dumb because because they didn't learn, because they didn't read. And I was like spying on them, you know. I was reading, yeah. you know, like in a, in a weird way, mm -hmm. trying to absorb, like hiding from them. Man, while they are playing ball out there. And you were reading. You know, I was into the learning. And one of my uh, short vacations home, I was watching my brother, Adolfo, playing with tailoring. So I kind of stood up, crossing my legs, looking at him. He had this brotherly antagonist. <laughs> so instead of looking so pretty over there, why don't you just help me sew some pants? And reluctantly, I said, yeah, why don't I? <laughs> and I sat at the sewing machine. Well, I would say 75 years later, I'm still at it. Wow. And how, did you immediately have a passion? Well, that was the, that was the that was calling. The yeah. I never in my life, even as I was making my own clothes, that was when I was seven, eight, nine, wow. ten, twelve, I started making beautiful gowns and dresses for the girls. I lived in the college town. I made a lot of money doing that. Oh. But... I was really in another business because I was kind of an entrepreneur. But I liked the idea that at 12 I could just make so much money. And, and that was my idea. I said, I'm going to make gowns, but I'm not going to make the gowns that they sell at Sears and that they sell, they hang those dresses until they're full of flies. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how people got their stuff done. Or Grandma or Aunt Angie or whoever, mm -hmm. you know, will be making clothes. And they were like... Like copying each other, you uh -huh. know. Uh, all there was was just a bit of clay, I guess. And they ended up making the same little wedding gown, the same quinceañera, whatever, you know. Any prom dress would be 
kind of the same. Uh-huh. I was 12 years old. I said, I can get much, much better things than like that. And I tried it, and so I wouldn't sell any. I made it really very expensive. I mean, really, made, really right? expensive. Yeah. And I started selling. My first year, I made 77 gowns. So I made a lot of... Were they ornate um, like this? Did they have bejeweled? Well, they had, they had a little bit, yeah. but not. That, that was way that back when, when you, you know, you, yeah. you only changed the color of things. Yeah. There wasn't that much. Uh, we, of course, in Mexico, this happened in Mexico, we had a French and the Spanish influence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing from North America except the history and the Indians and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like we had so much access because we were well dominated by the Spaniards, which we booted out, and then the French that we booted right. out later. But we inherited a lot of heritage from them, and it was that's why the Fridas have been born and developed because of that initial European influence into sure, Mexico. Sure. But then we ended up making it our own. Really see Clemente Orozco, Siqueiros, I mean, anybody, Elephant Man, Frida's husband, mm-hmm. okay, Diego. Mm-hmm. You can see that they created their own Mexican way of doing this stuff. And I followed suit into that because I, I was contemporary. I had the pleasure of meeting some of them and, and knowing about them. So I started doing that and I mean, it surprised me like crazy. So I knew that once I learned something, I don't need to repeat it. So I wasn't gonna make it, I was never gonna be a dressmaker, but I was a dress designer nevertheless. So what I did is, I found a lot of ladies that would sew for me, bought them new sewing machines and made them their own enterprise. And they would make everything for me. So I would make 250, 300, 500, depending on the years I was. I was becoming more efficient in the designing thing. And, and the, the most, the advantage of that was that I could make, I don't know, 15 designs. The day you just hand it over, somebody will be making the stuff. I would be cutting them, but that also it never bothered me to do that. Mainly designing that makes a, a, a gown different than another. It's a creative. Yeah. yeah. So that's it's not the, the, the string. But definitely, that was my calling when yeah. I was like seven years oh, of wow. age. That's amazing. And uh, you know, I made it my own. and I have been involved in serious businesses and uh, very profitable businesses. Mm-hmm. But design, you're a designer. But yeah, you're a creative. That's, that's what I yeah. was. And uh, so did you? So I was always like doing that stuff yeah. for profit. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But nevertheless, you know, I I wouldn't. I never interrupted my classes. But I went to school psychology. I I lived the most normal life. You yeah. know. All the while but designing, you never stopped. I never did. Yeah. It's always been in the back of my mind. When I was 19 years of age, I moved to Baja California. And in the back of my mind, it was always bothering, because I, bothering me because I engaged into something. 
two years took me to be totally bugged out of that. So I asked my partner, I said, you know what, I, you take over this business and I think I'm going to go to the United States of America, you know, 25 feet away from me over there in Baja. Just fly out. You took a leap of faith. Yes, and I, you know, I crossed the border with enough money to return back in, in two weeks or three weeks or whatever, you know. I got all my documents to, to become a green card holder. So I said, maybe I'll stay there a month or two months, whatever it's required, until that thing gets in the mail and I receive it. And I, I just enjoy it, come back and, well, I'm still here. Yeah, you're still here. So I'm curious. But because I went like into it, like really in a crazy way, Everything is, is going my way. Well, it helps that you have immense talent. I'm sure that didn't well, hurt you. Well, you know, to talk about that personally, I don't think I'm, I am not at ease with that. I understand. Uh, I had opportunities, but I will never forget, you know, my last profits in Baja California was like 12.50 a week. Monday, the following Monday, after I was part of California. I was making a dollar an hour at William Arena's uh, a little tailor shop. Says uh, Taylor wanted us, and I applied. And, and the guy was checking my car, checking my clothes, and he gave me a job for a dollar an hour. Unbeknownst to me, ninety cents was the minimum, but he was making a special effort to pay me. And I, and he says, Manuel, he says, I don't want to run you out of my bed, but you should be doing fashion but with somebody else. And I know a person. And all I ever knew from this person, that's Mr. Myers. He says, he, he really needs a person like you. And he took me on. They started paying me like $8 for 46 cents an hour. An hour. Instead of $8 a day. <laughs> To me, it was like a, you know, it was a kick. You know, I said, oh, great, you know, why not? And I started repairing things, jackets, furs, shoes, belts for the Broadway stores, big shop at Mission Road in, in California. And for some reason or another, when, when he promoted me, like in a month, to key man of the shop, he got in trouble with the union, which I belonged to the union because I bought the union, you know. But that wasn't enough for the union person. The union person knew that there was another guy that was there, working there for 15 years or something like that, and he was in succession to get mm -hmm. a position. Which I know it was wrong, but hey, I told Mr. Myers, you know, Mr. Myers, I, there's no reason for you to get in trouble with the union. And I, I, I know I have the legality of being here and earning my, my job and all that, but you've been so good. This is, well, let me tell you, I have a friend that is the best tailor in the world. And I'm going to introduce you to him. He needs a person like you. Wow. That was Mr. Ralph Carver. Now, this is a three-month succession, okay?
I go there and I start working with Mr. Carp, learning so many new tricks about high-class art couture, you know. Suits that we were making, tuxedos and things like that. And he says, you know, I don't want to throw you out of my business, but I have a friend of mine, Sidibor. He needs a feeder, and, and, and I think you're the super person for that. He introduced me to Sidibor. Anyway, those jackets that we were making there, they were for the Rat Pack, but I didn't know. The Rat Pack was the clientele side divorce. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I was in the, that was the time of swing. I was into Tommy Dorsey. I didn't even know who mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, you know. Bob Hope, yeah, because some comedy acts had gone to Mexico, kind of had seen that. But the Frank Sinatra, the, the Sammy Davis Jr., the people, Jerry Lewis, there was no way. Mm -hmm. I, but I, he introduced me to that gang, and they would take me to Las Vegas, and they gave me tremendously high tips. And Mr. Seidibor was paying me $55 a fitting. He guaranteed three fittings a day. And then the funniest thing, you know, that I remember from Mr. Seidibor, is that he told me, I don't want you to sound American. <laughs> I don't want you to sound American. There is no American tailors. I want you to sound just the way you, you sound. Are, yeah. Italian, Mexican, Chinese, we're good tailors. Yeah. Huh. Okay, he forgot English tailors. I guess he didn't, he didn't like him or something. But anyway, I stayed there until I got so fed up with making tuxedos and boring clothes. And I had the influence of a great girlfriend of mine. She was a great model. And she said, you gotta go see the Rose Parade in Pasadena. Hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Have you ever been? I said, I don't even know what that is. But she kind of forced her situation into me. That I should go sleep overnight over there on Colorado Boulevard and watch the parade at 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. Which I did, that was pretty cool. But the clothes that I saw, they had rhinestones, mm. they had, you know, real garb. I said, mm, I know how to make this better. So through her investigations and finding out, I ended up meeting Viola Gray, who did embroidery mm -hmm. for nudity, and Mr. Nathan Turk, two antique guys over there, but obviously Viola Gray, who was the maker of all the embroidery. She talked about, you know, showing off a little bit. I do the designs, and it's so beautiful. And uh, Manuel was not dummy, so Manuel knew. Mm. <laughs> I can do this ten times better, you know, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, maybe ambitious, maybe whatever, you know. So I had money. I built my own shop, my house. I bought my own home. You know, I I don't have the sad story. I didn't have a hungry mama or sisters yeah. or brothers or me. Well, what's, what was the best advice that all these people imparted on you? What's, of all these... Well, it was the people that made the, the stairway for me. Yeah. Somehow, well, they, they probably had more vision than I did. Okay. 
Maybe they were like on top of their game. They didn't mind somebody that was coming up service and uh-huh. and help them like I did. So I kind of uh, I quit society board, you know? and because in my absences and in, in my different in my, on my playground, I really met Viola Gray. Thank you to Kathy, my my friend and. Other person, I mean, I had this sequence of girls helping me, and, and Patsy and Kathy, girlfriends, you know. At, at that time, I could afford two or three or four of them. <laughs> <Good>. And, <laughs> and <laughs> through Viola Gray, I really immediately met, like in two weeks, I met Edith Head. So obviously, she did some of the embroidery or whatever. And he was, she's the grandest authority in odd couture that I have ever known in my life, you know. So she took me under her wing. And she commissioned me to make some clothes for James Dean and the 1954 uh, giant movie. So and from there she passed me so many jobs, oh man, hundreds of them. God, I mean, it was just nice. You know? But the thing is, it sounds like even even though you kept getting these great opportunities, that you were really a hard worker and that you paid oh, attention yeah. oh, and you yeah. learned along the way. You weren't just sitting, resting, going, well, obviously things come easy, so I'm just going to kind of kick I, back. I think, you know, the difference between that and what happened to me is that I really wasn't working for the salary. You were working for the passion. So ah, that's an artist. For, you know, I wasn't working to survive. I, I am so, sometimes I feel weird that I don't, I, I never had that opportunity. Yeah, do you think if you hadn't been so successful, do you think you would still be a creative? Do you think you would have kept going regardless of the financial part? I never experienced it, but I imagine that I would have done it no matter what. No matter what, yeah. So if you were to start all over again, if you were going to go back to that nine-year-old, ten-year-old boy, would you have done anything differently on the path, or do you think it worked exactly the way? It, I think it worked exactly the way it really happened for me. My intuition into the designing and into everything that happened to me was never disturbed by any other Thing. You never had an all is lost moment. Never had a. That's fabulous. <laughs> if people don't believe me, I never had a headache in my life. That's great. I never had a hangover in my life. I'm so secure. So, what would you say to someone coming up in the creative arts, regardless of the profession? Well, I've been teaching a lot of kids throughout my yeah what my do you, years. What do you you say know, I, I take. Interns from all the colleges of design, all of them. Yeah. I'm talking about foreign and, and, and U.S. Uh, many of them ask, how do I get right where you, you are now? I said, first of all, explain, where am I? I said, because I, I don't feel any changes. I said, I'm in the same class as I was when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that happens... Maybe if you want to have kind of a, a rule of life, and I would say that you should, you should measure your dream with the same rule that you measure your work. 
I might take you somewhere. What does that mean to you? The same ruler, you know. Well, I have. I mean, if I want things to happen, I get up early in the morning go do them. Seems simple enough, so, right? <laughs> uh, well, somebody's asking me, and I, I don't really know where I am. Because you never considered it not to be an option, I suppose. You never put that in your brain? I guess I never had the opportunity to vacillate that way. With, uh-huh. You know, we could go on and say that we are the, our, the, our own architects of our destiny, but... There's so, so many circumstances in life that could stop you from doing sure. that. So what inspires you creatively? Where do you see, where do you get your Well, the idea divinity. that I make every piece different. Mm-hmm. It just tickles me. I just, you know, from so many people want me to make mass production. I said, why don't you do it and leave me just alone? <laughs> I said, I, I just do not want my... It can help, you know, a lot of people like Rob, who I love, Rob Lauren, and all those guys. They make lines. Uh-huh. I don't think they can tell a horse from a hole in the ground, but I, 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 hey, we all jump into the. Everybody does their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it. But my ambition is really to create uh, an American designer that would compete in the very, very well-established European format. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have all these millions of people telling you, oh, this is Italian, oh, this is English, this is French. I just want to scream. You know, this American. Like Ronald Reagan used to tell me, this is American. Proud, you know. Many people like that. Back when I did so many Westerns and stuff like that, got really acquainted with the total, you know, that movie machismo. Mm-hmm. 14 years of Bonanza, 11, 12 years of Marshall Dillon, Gunsmoke, uh, wow. Big Valley, Cachaparral, The Lancers. You can, so many movies that I did that were Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the scripts that I read. And, I mean, that was a blessing for some of the directors. I mean, they still remember it. Manuel. Costuming is everything in a movie. Absolutely. Uh, well, you have to please you that, have to, well, that you, person. You have to create the image of the where you are and everything. I mean, and they always have a wardrobe yeah. person, not, not me. I am a, a shop of my own. Right. I, I never want to be part of that. But I can tell that I worked in that movie because I will say it. I, I don't have help that I'm going to send out to borrow and rent wardrobes for 3,000 people. No, I say, I can't. Just, I'm sorry. But right. What I do, I do the principle. That's all I want to do. It. And I'm not interested in anybody else. Mm. You guys want me to help you that way? I'll do it that way. And many times it would you know, there's some new directors and all that. Well, what do you have in mind? Like, yeah, let me give you all my ideas so you can go ahead and make your movie with it. Ten cents less, you know? I, I, don't, I just don't do that. I've found that for a lot of creatives, relationships are quite difficult because you have a particular mind, you have a particular heart and soul, and for those who are not creative, trying to love you or be in your family or any of that stuff, it can be quite complicated. So how did you navigate the waters of 
people understanding you in relationships well, that were not business relationships? I, I think that they either learn to, to love me in a different form. No longer they contain in their hearts that question, all that, trying to ask me, hey, why you and not me, kind of stuff like mm-hmm. that. I say, hey, we're we're in this together, all Mm -hmm. of us. And I want my, you know, since 1986, I've been looking. And one of the students, girls and boys, and all the colleges of design, they become my interns. And uh, the generations that I passed already, it wasn't, it's always that eagerness to make money make millions of pieces. And they asked me, says, how do you think I could make a fortune? I said, well, create one piece that the United States likes and you'll be a millionaire overnight. Now, if you create that same piece and everybody likes you, are a billionaire overnight. And they'll say, oh, that easy. When they say that, I know where they're coming from. They're coming from a plastic world. They don't think properly. They can't tell reality, you know, from utopia, you know. I mean, for God's sake, you, just, you are who you are, and that's what you are. And somebody calls your name, answer. You know, be who you are. I love that, when someone calls your name, answer. That's great. Isn't it? I, I, don't, I don't find it too attractive to be totally, like, like, you know, like advertising for myself. Oh, I do this, I did that. I, I dress beggars, I dress prostitutes, I dress clowns, I dress presidents, governors, mayors, kings, queens. To me, they are nothing but humanity. So why would I be, when some of my colleagues sometimes, they say, I made a suit for what's her name you did, well, good for you. And that's the end of my comment. Well, they are doing that, telling me that. I'm busy making the clothes for somebody better than that. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, but it's, it's funny. You really, you know, you want to tell some truths. You just, I find that if I'm going to open my mouth and say something wrong, I better not, you know. Plus, I'm not interested in that. So I want to make sure I understand what you're saying, that... There are those who say, well, I make clothes for this person, and aren't I great? Whereas you're saying, I'm making clothes for humanity, and it doesn't, I'm doing what I do. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, yes, it's happened to me. You know, it happened to me in the claims. There was a guy that was writing uh, some life about Elvis Presley's tailor. And he, I I have a letter. You better refrain from saying that you were this and that. So I got on the phone, I called him, I said, excuse me, but I, I said, you know, I, I did go on my suit for Elvis, and I made a comeback suit for Elvis. And I did the jumpsuits that he wore in Las Vegas at the Open International Hotel. I made about seven little lousy movies for him, wardrobes. But I have never been Elvis Taylor's, Elvis Presley's tailor. I said, make clothes for presents. I can prove you that, you can look it up, you know. I am, no, don't worry about it. I am not his tailor. I was never any president of the United States tailor. 
dress about three or four or five or whatever the hell. I said, you know, just made clothes for Salvador Dali made clothes. I could. Yes, there's a confusion in them saying, trying to say that you're someone's tailor because you are, you are a, you are you, and they just happen to be wearing your clothes. <laughs> and that's so cool. Yeah, you know? it's so cool. <laughs> I think it's just fantastic. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of what happens, you know. I made a suit for Amado Peña, he made a painting for me right there. Yes, I love that, yeah. We share uh, in a funny way that, that we really know that great, but we can share with each other what we do. It's creation. And it's just like nice, you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, I invite you to, to dinner, and you invite me to dinner. Right. So what would you tell the um, young person sitting in their room in Kansas, sewing up a little shirt, you know, thinking someday I want to be a great designer? What would you? What advice would you give well, them? Well, uh, how distant is that someday to, to that person that's thinking that way? Mm -hmm. Because if it's today, you know, get up and go to work on it. That's what I say. The future, what, what future? The future is being built right now. I mean, today is yesterday's history. And today's history will be tomorrow's history. Mm -hmm. You know, come on. Mm -hmm. Let's get going. What do you want to be? You want to be a cigar maker? You want to be a pillow maker? You want to be a cement mixer? What do you want to be? What is stopping you? I have no point of recognition for that throughout my life. I just wanted to be what I wanted to be. And, and I'm still doing it. I feel like, hey. <laughs> but yeah, so many years, but I'm still kicking and showing these kids, and they are like in heaven. Yeah. And they tell me almost every day how grateful they are that I'm okay. teaching them. Yeah. I said, and does it bother you that I do this? I, I, why would it bother me? Now, if... If I draw a star, and you draw a star, the star has been forever. If you draw a mouth, and I draw a mouth, it's been mouth's creation, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I would say there's a big distinction of how to use whatever comes to our hands. You can use a knife to cut some fruit, to cut some throats. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's in your hands. It's what you want. And if you if you put that in your brain, don't keep it in your brain. Put it in your hands. Put it right back. Mm -hmm. Are you still learning? Oh, you better believe it. I learn from the kids that come to learn from me. And you know, people have asked me so many times, so you teach him really everything that you know. I said, of course I do. Yeah, sometimes they ask me new things and I teach them. It's in their hands. Mm -hmm. I think it's great that you give back that which you have learned. Oh, yeah. That you share it, that you share your, your gifts oh, yeah. and your knowledge. And, your... and I want to create a, a co-op with these new talents. Two, three days ago, I met a, a young girl, hat maker, hat maker. I'm telling you, we need that. She's got the type, she's got the stature there. If I had a co-op center, you know, I would have all this shop full of 
I could call maybe a thousand students back, put them to work and doing something mm -hmm. that is made here. I don't. I have no beef against other countries. Mm, I understand. I totally understand. Okay, but we can do things. America is really a proud country, formed with a lot of proud people. I mean, we have a few sour <laughs> problems. Yeah, sure. But this does everything. But mostly, we we're well, good people. Mm -hmm. I say, why, why can't we do it? within the perimeters of America as a continent. I'm not talking about USA. I'm talking about America. Mm -hmm. Made in America is a good product. Mm -hmm. We can communicate. We're close to each other. We inspect it. We check it. And, and what happened to the times when a lady would buy a little apron for her kitchen and it was faulty, she'll bring it back to get her money's worth mm -hmm. Sure. In the garbage. We lost that. Yeah. Now, we're wasteful people. We buy it for 10 cents, and if it, if it rottens, ah, we yeah. just throw it away. The walk is, is too far. And, yeah, you know sure. what I mean? So I, I just, all that kind of stuff is bugging me. I understand the designing point, you know. Yeah, sure. So I've been there all my life. Sure. Right? But... You know how to. You have to know how to create. Oh yeah, how yeah. to cut, how to teach others, how sure. they can make your garment, how like you can pay for that labor, how you can employ people, how can you pay taxes properly. Well, thank right. you so much. This is great. I've gotten a lot out of this. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.